You're listening to. Hey guys, welcome back to First of All, a real unfiltered conversation on career, family, relationships, and culture. I'm your host, Minji Chang. I'm an actor, producer, and entrepreneur here to share inspiring stories and to walk through everyday life with you. Hope you guys are doing well, staying safe, staying healthy. Why Delta variant? Why? Please get vaccinated. I'm just saying that is my plea. I just want us all to be safe. Can't believe this is still going on in the way that it is, but here we are. Um, but yeah, seriously, sending huge hugs to, out to everybody. It has been wild. Y'all heard about it in the last episode with my trip uh, to get away. Thank God. I'm very grateful I was able to do that. Um, and now we're back and handling it as as it comes. Sidebar, I wanted to know, I, I did see that there have been um, posts and news about what's happening in Hawaii with all the massive flood of tourists, myself included. I'm guilty of that. I wasn't aware of all of these issues that were going on, but just want to put that out there. Um, I believe that there are some resource shortages uh, for the locals and it's creating some level of, you know, chaos and stress for a lot of um, people and um, people that are not in the best financial situations costing a lot of money for locals right now in Hawaii. So just putting that out there for people to do their research and consider when and how and what, you know, where they want to go to for their travel plans, even considering all of this Delta variant stuff, um, I'm definitely scaling back things for the, I just like, I'm seeing what I can do to stay safe and please, you know, continue to wear your masks. I've been wearing them inside still. It just helps me feel safe. But yeah, we're still, we're still in this, you guys. It's still going on. Um, I, I dread talking about it still too. It is very mentally draining, but we got to handle it. So putting my faith in you guys. Remember, day at a time, week at a time. I'm here for you. I love you. I believe in you. So let's just uh, be smart and wise and care for one another and get through this. Okay. So this week's episode, I'm really very excited. It's a guest that I've been wanting to have on my show for quite a while. She is somebody uh, who is a creative that inspires me for a number of reasons, just because of like the humor that she has and the boldness and creativity and heart that she puts into her work. Just as a human being, uh, she's an extraordinary woman who's gone through some very extraordinary life situations that I don't think a lot of us could dream of going through. And she's handled it with such compassion and grace and humor and love. And that's why we're here to talk about family this week. Um, my guest is none other than the great Samantha Futterman, or Sam Futterman. And she is an incredible Korean-American transracial adoptee. She's a producer and director and actor out here in California. She's originally from Jersey. Um, she considers herself, herself a Jersey girl at heart forever and always. And uh, yeah, I met Sam through, I believe it was through Dan Matthews and just through the um, Korean American Adoptee Universe through collaboration. Uh, my work with Asian America and representation had definitely included that story and that narrative and that experience that has gone very much under the radar. And that is very, it's a very huge and important part of the Asian American experience and just experience in general to be adopted and, um, you know, sharing that, that experience and that perspective has been really ex like just inspiring to me it's um i've been very curious about it my cousin also adopted a son from korea so that's another connection i've thought about adopting myself and so yeah it's just 
this whole concept of family and how we overcome really huge obstacles and challenges. You guys get to hear Sam's story in a second um, about finding family that she didn't know existed in the most in just surprising, extraordinary way. And she captured that in a film that she made called Twinsters. So, um, yeah, I'll let her explain her story because she's way better at it than I am. And in this episode, we'll definitely dive into the concept of what it's like to be an adoptee, what it's like to navigate your identity when you're growing up that way. And we can compare and contrast those things as two Korean-American women with very different experiences and upbringings. And, uh, you know, the importance and the beauty and the complicated nature but simplicity of chosen family. So I hope that you guys really enjoy this episode. It's a really special one. Um, yeah, without further ado, here's my episode with Sam Futterman. Enjoy! Yeah. Came in 88 with a dream of so bright eyed. They knew right away, sink or swim, there's no lifelines. Cutting the teeth on the move. Nobody's spinning these shoes. Hello, Miss Samantha. Hello. Welcome to First of All. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Oh my gosh. Thank you for taking the time. How are you doing? I'm well. And how's Tina? (laughs) Tina, my little Korg, she's very happy. She's eating her little. Himalayan chew bone and staring at me currently. <laughs> Isn't that the life? That's the life. I'm actually fostering a dog this week for the first you time. You are? Mm-hmm. That's amazing. I'm a scared. What was, what was the process? Did you have to, did they come to your house and make sure everything's cool or... I've actually submitted applications to numerous uh, shelters and, Mm. well, not numerous, three, okay. But three, um, sometimes they ask for videos, like, because it's COVID and stuff. And, like, I'm sure they get lots of applicants. I had to, like, make a little YouTube video. (laughs) I, like, showed them my place and, like, where the dog would sleep and do I have a backyard and stuff like that. So I've done that. And you have to, like, verbally describe it. Amazing. So Tina was adopted from Dove Project, Dogs of Violence Exposed. So Tina was a DMT dog and we picked her up at Korean Air Cargo, which was like, for me, it was really really special because I was like, this is kind of how I got here too. But um, that's so beautiful. Oh my God. But Tina does that. But they're always looking for fosters as well. And they also are always looking for people who would fly the dogs from Korea to the US. So that's, sorry, random thing. But I kind of feel like I maybe need to do that. I'm not yeah, gonna lie, yeah. Sam. That's on my vision board. <laughs> like, is it really a dog? A dog is on my vision board and Korea. Like I was like, I want to find a way to like go there. I had been crafting all these like strategies. I was like, should I go try and shoot a short film, like a one camera, one person thing? Yeah, I don't know, but I was like, I want, I would love to rescue a dog from Korea. Do all of the above, yeah, because you could go and maybe meet your rescue, and then um, I think they. Each person can maybe bring f- four or something. I think they usually always have two people go over and bring. I'm not sure the exact numbers. I'll have to double check on that. But yeah, you can always bring over um, dogs with you in cargo. So I would 1000% do. I had heard of dogs. It could be an escort. Yeah. Oh my yeah. gosh. Okay. Well, we're going to talk about this more. <laughs> yes. Yes. We're going to talk about it more. But, but she, yeah. your dog is so, so cute. Also, like, because I follow your Instagram and she's just precious. <laughs> Thank you. Thank so she's a blessing you. to all of us. Um, yeah. How how's 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 the year been treating? It's all the, like every episode during COVID. It's like how catching been, up. Have you? Right, how's, right. how's it been going? 
Oh, Tina. Um, well, yeah, I mean, honestly, I feel really lucky. I think, well, I found out I was more of an introvert than I thought I was. I always thought I was extroverted. But then uh-huh. when we went into quarantine, I was like, I mean, I, I want to make sure that everyone is okay. That, you know, I, I was worried about everyone and health and I wanted to keep everyone safe. But also being in my house alone, I wasn't that perturbed by it. I think mm-hmm. I actually enjoyed it a little bit. I played lots of video games. But yeah, like I... Excellent. I, I'm i well. I mean, once they opened up the beaches, we could go surfing again. I have that. And then I come home and I'm hang out with Tina and Ryan and You're like what else do happy. I need this is good I know I know I mean I miss everyone I, I miss my family I wish we could travel you know mm-hmm. or, or do it safe fur than we are now I just wish that there were no consequences you know I mean there's yeah. parts of it that I that I miss of course and I wish were different but all in all I we've been lucky you know it, quarantine has been pretty good to us considering so. I'm really glad. How are I think, you, girl? I'm all over the place. <laughs> Most, I, I would mostly echo what you said. I actually think it was it was a big blessing for me because I'm I I have been all over the place, and so and I was going through like a lot of significant life transitions, like a breakup, and I think it was very needed. Wow, yeah. It came it came at a really for for my personal life very appropriate time for me to cocoon and just like yeah. Wait, did you break up during the quarantine? Prior, or like actually a few oh, months wow. prior, but there was like, you know, it's, there's, I don't know of anybody that has had clean breakups, you know, it's always, there's always an yeah. aftermath and there's kind of like a, um, self-doubt and you're questioning whether that was the right decision. And like, so it was, it was, it was, it was rough. Like it was, wow, yeah. so right when quarantine hit and it was very needed. Very, very needed. Mm. And like, I am extroverted, but I really do like quiet time. And because I go, go, go a gazillion miles an hour, I think it's always welcomed when I get to like, shush, just sit Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, you like find yourself just staring at the wall for 20 minutes. Like, what are you even doing? I'm like, I don't know. Before bed, I just stare at the ceiling for 20 minutes and then I go to sleep. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> and that's fully enjoyable time for my well I had to learn yeah. that because I think before the quiet used to make me as crazy. much as like theoretically appreciated crazy. I was uncomfortable sitting in quiet for too long right and uh-huh. I was I was doing that way like for years before where I was trying to learn how to meditate I was learning how to meditate because it was I had to learn it because it was not normal for me to sit there and breathe and like yeah just get, be. like oh what I gotta do what I gotta who I gotta talk to what I gotta email somebody I got to do these things and I'm already getting hanged on my phone, you know? And so, yeah, it's been a, it's been a long on ramp. Let's say that. (laughs) But I mean, it's good to hear that you're doing well and thank you. Hopefully no one, no one in your family got sick. I hope or nobody did. I'm very, well, uh, my immediate family. No, thankfully I was really worried about my dad because the year before he had had pneumonia. Um, Uh, yeah. That he didn't really like tell anybody about Again, issues with like the older generation and their like attitude of like, oh, I'll just take care of myself. I don't need to do anything. And, and men like who like, I don't know. I've dealt with the, that version of that. My dad was that he literally told us later, like, I had to go to the ER. We're like, what? 
Oh my gosh. <laughs> yeah. I love how he tells you after post to the ER. Sam, tell me why I have such clear <laughs> understanding of why I have anxiety about certain like in my life is because of this behavior. I'm like, so cool. You went to the ER, <laughs> like you've been on meds. What else do I not know? You know? Um, so I was concerned, and then he was running, him and my mom run a dry cleaner. So they were like working. They were considered what's what was the term? Essential, yeah. Essential workers, yeah. So they're still working yeah. and seeing their customers. So I was just like, you know, having like, are they going to be okay? Is someone going to? Yeah. I don't know. But we we made it through. And a couple relatives actually did get COVID, um, but they mm. survived and they're okay. Good. It's just all in all, thankful, thankful. Yeah. 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 But I'm just really, really happy to talk to you. I've been honestly wanting you on this show here's i'll I'll be completely transparent because i talk about this on the show fairly often the people who've been listening for a long time are like again minji but like i've wanted to quit the show you know like i don't know how you i want to hear what your journey is like we'll get into it about being a creator and like how you keep motivation and or discipline and like all of the above Mm. but you're definitely one of the people on my list of like i cannot wait to talk about about life with Sam because (laughs) just watching your work, getting to know you through like the Asian community and like watching your film. Um, we have a connection because of my cousin too, which was like, that was wild. Um, all those things. I just like, I love your work, who you are, your spirit, your life story is so fascinating. So I'm just very honored and happy right now that you're here. (laughs) Thank you. Wow, you really, I kind of needed that boost, Minji, you know? <laughs> I got you. Whenever you need me, just let me know. That's my life purpose, Sam. I can like day. be your hype woman. <laughs> so for those of the, I did the brief intro, you know, of, of you being an actor, filmmaker, a twin, but like how, how do you share, start to share your story and who you are when like people come in with a blank slate? What's your introduction to Sam Futterman? Oh, man. I'd say I'm a Korean-American transracial adoptee. I am an identical twin, or I guess a newfound identical twin. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I am, yeah, an actor, producer, director, kind of, yeah, a creator, sometimes still figuring out what I am. Actually, all all the time figuring out what I am. Amen. I'm right there with you. Yeah. Always on a journey somewhere. (laughs) Always on a journey. So, yeah. So I do think like your story is astounding. And, you know, for those of us who don't know or like get exposed to the adoptee world or what the just finding out that you have a sibling, like the way that you, it's just like, I can't, I can't find words. Like that's, that's a movie and you guys made it into a movie. Um, but like, (laughs) you can't write that or like somebody has, but they probably do it poorly. Cause the way that it happened real life in your life is I think a thousand (laughs) times better than somebody could have written it. Do you want to like, could you do the synopsis? Like how, how'd you walk us through like you grew up in Jersey, you're a Jersey girl. We can start there. I am. Yeah. I'm a Jersey girl. I'm uh, I was adopted when I was four months old from Korea to a white family in New Jersey. My dad's Jewish. My mom's Catholic. I have two brothers who are their biological sons. Um, and then, yeah, a happy childhood, living life, went to performing arts high school, went to 
Boston University for college, then was like, let's give this a go. I moved out to LA to be an actor. And then in 2013, I got a message on Facebook from someone who looked just like me saying that she had seen me on YouTube and again in a movie trailer and looked me up and saw that we had the same birthday and given my last name she assumed that I was probably adopted and we looked I mean identical so she was like hey insert parent (laughs) trap joke here and (laughs) (laughs) one of the best movies of all time by the way yes amazing amazing and then um yeah and then Turns out we're identical twin sisters. We were separated at birth and we reunited in the most millennial way possible via social media. Via social media. I mean, is there a better <laughs> story for our times? No. That is so oh, The sad thing is like we keep talking about when we have grandkids, they're going to be like, yeah, whatever. That's I'm sure that was cool for you then, mom, but or grandma. And they're going to be like, that's not cool, though. That's please don't tell people that, you know? Oh, my gosh. Social media is not going to be cool. Again, whenever you need me, I'll be there as like another grandma to like reinforce. Like, you don't even understand. Like, you bite your tongue. (laughs) And this is one of the coolest things that ever happened ever. You shush. I'll be that grandma. I'm like that auntie, that grandma. Like, I'll love them and I'll buy them like ice cream and stuff, but I'll also like lay down the law on behalf of the parents. Like, you need to show a little respect. Right? right. Love it. And so your sister Mm -hmm. is in France. She's a French adoptee. She is a French Korean adoptee, grew Mm -hmm. up um, in the outskirts of Paris in the suburbs her whole life. Mm -hmm. She's a little bit bougier than I am, you know. Okay. But but I like that because then when I get to visit her, I get to be bougie too. You know, I, you literally have access. You have a gateway to bougie life right there. That's like the best <laughs> thing ever. You don't have to I do know. it. That's how I feel. About I always some of my joke. Friends. I'm like, I'm like. So you grew up kind of basically in the Gossip Girl High School of Paris, didn't you? She's like, yeah, kinda. I was like, damn, that's so cool. Like, damn. Tell you know. me more. That's a, that's wild. Okay. And I actually, I lived in Paris a couple times. I did like a study abroad thing. And before that, I was there with my brother. Amazing. Yeah. Um, going through my own Korean drama movie. But um, it, it is a very different universe. And so I can't even imagine what it was like for her to grow up there versus, and I've also spent time in New York and Jersey. So in my mind's eye, I can imagine the contrast of like oh all gosh, American girl and like the girl that went to the the French gossip girl school. <laughs> yes. And you know what? She she works in fashion in luxury too, Stop mind it. you. You know, so she's just like she's she's amazing and bougie and wonderful and I love it. Yeah. And you're amazing and wonderful yeah. being a freaking creative in Hollywood. Like what is life? You guys are <laughs> just made for this. It's beautiful. And I I feel like watching your movie um, which was, I don't know. It just like cracked my heart open in a beautiful way because it was just, you took us on this journey with you to go through this discovery process and processing it in real time on camera, which is, that's a lot to do. It's hard to do it even when you're faking it. You know what I mean? You're, it's, it's, it's very vulnerable <laughs> even when you're like being another character, in my opinion, it can be very vulnerable, but you're doing like, this is your real life, you know? Um, 
and you didn't even know what was going to happen, right? You're like letting it unfold with an audience. And, um, the, the kinship I feel like seeing someone that looks like me, you know, you're transracial adoptee, but we're both Korean blood. And like, I feel very seen and like, I don't know that kinship I felt with you just by the way we look. And I was like, man, putting myself in your shoes of like, what must she be going through? What must this be like in all the good and like crazy ways? Um, What prompted you to like make this whole thing a movie? Like you could have just gone about it privately, right? Like, and just let it be. Yeah. I think if I was like a little bit more sane at the time, I probably would have had a private journey and have been a normal human being <laughs> like looking at it retrospectively I just look at myself and I I'm like what the fuck were you thinking Sam like why would you do that why would you post on social media that this girl messaged you but I wasn't thinking you know what I mean I was just like doing mm-hmm. I just started doing stuff without thinking I, I think I don't know I was 25 there were no consequences still you know like I know I was a little dumb. I think I had no idea what I was doing. I don't think you were dumb. <laughs> and then, um, you know, my friends were just like, "You have to film this," and and I thought so too. You know, and and um, I just started maybe dabbling on YouTube. I didn't really know what I was doing, but I was like, "Sure, why not?" So it felt the natural thing to do. I was like, "Oh my god, I have to video blog about this." Also, something that's going to seem really archaic when we're old is like, "Yeah." <laughs> you were or you like yeah mom you were video blogging real cool um <laughs> but like the next logical step was do a video blog and, and that was more just for me right to, mm-hmm. to say I don't know if this is true I don't know if this is a hoax but either way I need to remember what this felt like and and what really happens because your memory changes you know yeah we, we yeah. remember stuff how we want to remember it, not how it actually happened so so true it's like I just started recording and documenting stuff because I wanted to remember this moment because it was so wild. Nothing, nothing in life prepares you to experience something this crazy. And yeah, I just started recording and then I had friends in the industry and my best friends and we're like, okay, we're doing this. Are we doing this? We're doing this. And we just... Again, without thinking, just started going, you know? I love it. I truly love it. And I'd say as a, as a grown woman, as I consider myself, I think I would like to go back and incorporate more of that. Hmm. Not, I guess, thoughtless sounds a little, but like, yeah, a little bit more just pure and in the moment. Like, don't overthink yeah. it. Just like if you're heart or your gut or your brain, whatever. Like if that moment you feel like the right thing to do is like start recording. Like if you hadn't, we wouldn't have twinsters. You know what I mean? And like that film I saw in real time, like how much it has opened people's minds to a completely different journey, different experience, the adoption story, like transracial adoption, just family in general, like that, all those things, we wouldn't be blessed with that film if you weren't being dumb, Sam. I just completely, I object to that term. I think you're being your pure self. And I think that's when magic happens personally. Like I I've, I've experienced that in myself where like some of the, the things that at the time I could like a version of me could say, okay, that was so stupid. Like what kind of narcissist were you being or whatever, like these things, (laughs) but I'm like, no, those are like, precious memories you can't you can't ever 
I wouldn't change them for the world, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I wouldn't yeah. change it either. But when I look back at self and just think, why would you do these things? <laughs> I'm no, happy yeah, I, I did them like, in the I'm end. I'm amazing. But... I'm so glad I did these things. <laughs> So with Twinsters, like everyone needs to go watch it if you can, like make it happen. It's a very heartwarming story. It's very vulnerable, very beautiful, very funny. You guys are just like, who? Because Ryan made it, right? He, who edited it? Yeah. So, so my fiance, soon to be Mm -hmm. husband, um, we actually met filming Twinsters because uh, Yama Sabolka, I was like, we need a camera guy. And then James E. was actually just like, well, you know, like we either need like a surfer who's just down for whatever or we need (laughs) like a true documentarian who's done this a billion times. And Yama and Justin were in Hawaii and they go, okay, um, we got we Yama was like one of one of my best friends, like meet this guy or whatever it was. So um, we zoomed or no, it was it was Skype back then. We Skyped him Uh (laughs) and. And he was kind of our only option as well. So we hired him. And two weeks later, he flew out and started filming. But he stayed in my apartment. And we also fell in love. Um, But he, Uh. yeah, he co-directed. He was my support. He was uh, everything. He filmed everything. And he did um, a first pass of our edit. So I was the we had someone set up our project file and then I logged all the footage, like everything we've ever shot. I lo- I worked on it. Like I would go to work at the restaurant and then come home and then work five hours a day logging footage. And then Kanoa and I pieced together kind of what we thought the journey was and the most important thing on like post-it notes on the wall. And then Ryan took it and pieced together an edit, a rough edit before we then got Jeff Consiglio on the project and then Jeff took it over and um, really, I mean, taught us so much about filmmaking and and made it so incredibly solid in this this really beautiful story and made it exactly what we wanted to tell. So, but yeah, Ryan um, was a producer, cinematographer, co-director, everything. This story just keeps getting better. I had no idea you <laughs> met Ryan filming this movie. I thought y'all knew because I hung with you guys in what South by right, and that's when it was yeah yeah being screened. Yeah. It was premiering there. Was it premiering at South it by? It premiered there. Yeah, yeah. That wh- what? Like I had no idea. I thought you guys had been like dating for you know, and we're like collaborators for like forever because I just didn't know the story. I didn't ask. So I apologize. I, I assumed, but no, like, that's no. even better. What a beautiful yeah. love story. I need to cry. I need a moment. <laughs> so, yeah, if I'm being annoying and flirting with the camera, it's because I was literally flirting with the camera guy the whole time. If this is not so. the best, like, reason to go watch this movie, <laughs> I'm going to go rewatch it again because, like, I watched it and I, I hella cried and I moved it. Now it's like a whole other layer. <laughs> now I need to go watch it for, like, oh, Sam's talking to Ryan there. That little look. My, um. My brother-in-law, Anise's husband, um, the other day, Anise texted me. She goes, William just came in and told me that he was watching Twinsters, and but he downloaded it. And I was like, whoa, what's wrong with you? You need to pay for that shit, William. And then I was like, so what's up, William? You miss me? Like, you haven't seen me in a while? So I, I haven't seen my sister since... Um, 2019 thanksgiving 2019 wow this is the longest we've been apart since we met but i was like 
what so what you miss me and uh, you just want to watch he's like well i just like it when you're in korea and i like when you meet and i like to say i was like oh my gosh my my brother-in-law loves me this is fun <laughs> oh that's so sweet i love it i sweet? love 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 it and I, I did when i was like catching up on um prepping for our chat i like looked at your sister's instagram too and like they just got yeah. me they're super cute her and her husband are adorable and like yeah they're so great. french so french oh my gosh minji this wedding <laughs> that wedding was insane it was like royalty so her uncle is a monsignor okay what what does that mean <laughs> it's something fancy in the catholic church it's it's basically okay, like an okay. honorary title it's an honorary title but he's he's like the equivalent of like an archbishop in the catholic church so he founded a seminary in oh. what i think is tuscany yeah in, in tuscany so we we went their wedding was in florence in this okay. amazing church in florence and then they hopped in this fancy bougie ass car and drove up to the chateau basically where the rest of the wedding would ensue and they had i I mean we're in italy right but they're so french that they're like we don't want prosecco we'll only be drinking champagne even though we're in italy they're like no there should be no prosecco we're drinking champagne so it's very fancy and they drove up and we're on this like (laughs) beautiful hillside there's like fireworks at night and when they enter the room everyone's standing up and like waving their net it was like the most magical thing i've ever seen there were all these fancy little poofs of food that i can't even tell you what they were but they're all like very fancy and very french lots of cheese really amazing dinner was four hours and then you party you know what i mean excellent oh i love it oh my gosh so at about 3 a.m i tried to sneak away and go to bed for a few hours um (laughs) were you shunned i mean that's a party foul I always have to like. I always have to Irish goodbye. Is that? I feel like is that? Is that not a phrase anymore? Should I not use that phrase anymore? But I always I like no Irish idea. goodbye. Dip out. I always dip out and just silently pretend like I'm about to use the bathroom and just leave because I go to bed early, and they stay up very late. <laughs> I don't know what weird robots they are but i don't know how you can operate with a that much alcohol and that little sleep right? like i can't i can't do either like i'm a really big lightweight which is why when i so i i have irish goodbye before and i don't know if that term is offensive in any circles but Tell us I, if I, it I is. To, yes i will stop using it <laughs> yeah apologize preemptively probably did not know just putting it out there is legally binding um but i i would go to a lot of events but i would always appear so i make sure people see that i'm there and then i would like i didn't lie i would just say like i did have stuff to do i always had stuff to do so i was like i gotta go do a thing and like i would be there for like sometimes events i'd be there for like less than half an hour (laughs) because like people like they get wasted and i i'm one of those like i'm a one-shot wonder if i if i have a shot of anything that'll i will you may have to carry me out Mm -hmm. i can drink hard liquor Mm -hmm. quite a bit but if i have one beer or like a couple glasses of wine i feel all weird it's like something i don't know it's the opposite of what it should be it's a different thing yeah what i mean i I feel like i always have something to do after an event and most of it is showering and going to bed it's like that is and that is a very important thing to do i gotta walk my dog i gotta shower and i gotta go to bed (laughs) 
<laughs> I imagine I can already preemptive. I can like, I can foresee my life. Say that I do get a dog. Like I can, that is a really valid, I'd say not even a lie. It's a valid reason to be like, I got to go. Like I have a yeah. living creature depending upon me. Have so much fun. For snuggles. Yeah. Wear your yeah. seatbelt. Goodbye. Like, <laughs> <laughs> so true. So true. Well, I'm so glad you got to experience that. I think, you know, I get a little bit sick of wedding culture at times. Mm. All my friends are listening. You're like, what about mine? Like, of course, yours is the <laughs> exception. Um, but I get kind of sick of wedding culture. But when, whenever you're there and when you're in it and you're kind of surrounded by so love and family, it's so fun. And like when you it's get so to do fun. that kind of wedding, which you just described, I'm like, could I have been your plus one? I'm like, Ryan, can you just stay? I need to go be <laughs> Sam's escort um, in Tuscany or Florence at a chateau. Yeah. Like, what the f- that's that's totally I don't know that's like an experience that's like a, a storybook situation that you're like I will make time and uh, budget for this see you later it really was it was totally a storybook wedding isn't it? it'll be something you never forget I love anything. it well like and Sam was like I've I've been curious like one of the reasons why I wanted to like chat with you in depth about it um, was because like I had so many thoughts and feelings when I watched Twinsters about you know, just imagining what it's like to be not only adopted because like my background as like a Korean American that was not adopted, I was born to my biological parents and like really embedded in this Korean as fuck (laughs) culture (laughs) is very, 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 very deeply, you know, family first, family is everything. And Mm -hmm. there's a lot of me that's like, I've, I thought about that and I felt a lot about those things over the years. Right. Cause Mm. I love my family so much and I don't know what I'd do without them, but I've also gone through a lot of pain and I've also like my dad is, I call him like my Mount Everest. He's like somebody I love really deeply, but he, we, we butt heads a lot. And so this in many ways, not just cause my dad, but like in a lot of ways, this concept of family, um, the entity, what it means, like what I am beholden to them, what I'm obligated to do, my responsibility as being like a daughter and a sister has been like a really big part of my identity. And so when I watched Mm -hmm. Twinsters, I was like very like just kind of going down so many different rabbit holes of like, what would it be like if I wasn't born to like my biological family and to be adopted by others? And like, just curious about that journey, which you shared. And I'm curious, like how you've thought about that or like, what what you've kind of because that was what that was so you've known you were adopted since you're quite young right yeah like I grew I grew up knowing you know it was just part yeah it was always said to me like you know families are created in many ways and Mm -hmm. you were you were adopted and it was just always known I mean there's no way of hiding it you know I don't yeah so (laughs) <laughs> well, I'm curious because like, I don't know, I yeah. grew up with Korean people. We, we lie about all kinds of things and act like things that are, <laughs> are not. And I'm like, I'm sorry. Like, do you not have eyeballs? And they're like, I don't know what you're talking about. So I'm saying you, <laughs> people could deny, <laughs> they do deny That's a true. lot. <laughs> That's true. I mean, there, and, and yeah, no, I don't mean to downplay the experience because some adoptees don't know that they're adopted until much older. Um, yeah. That used to be a thing. If if you're adopted within um, the same, I guess, racial identity, then yeah, some some people, it's quite possible that they didn't find out till later, maybe even as adults, which I think can create a bit of an identity crisis and, and some of what we've seen um, with other adoptees that has happened. But mm-hmm. yeah, no, it, it was always 
just something I knew. Um, it's like, you know, you eat breakfast in the morning, dinner at night. Um, you're adopted, you go to school. It was just part of the a part of life. It, it was never um, a conversation. Like it was never a sit down. Like it wasn't like a birds and the bees talk. You know what right. I mean? It was it just, just was. it was just always there. Yeah, it, it just always existed. And um, yeah, I think that I, I think that's something super important with adoption. Just to know that you're always accepted because it, it, it wasn't presented as a problem or an issue. It just was part of who we were. Hmm. I love that. So yeah, yeah. I love that. And then, yeah, go ahead. No, no, yeah. And I was gonna say with my um brothers, you know, my my brothers are the biological sons of my parents, and that was always it. Like they were just my brothers. I think some people who don't aren't around adoption don't know adoption well. Think well, are. You know, people throw out the term, are they your real brothers? Stuff mm-hmm. stuff like that, which is mm-hmm. not really a term that adoptees or the adoption community likes to hear. Um, yeah. Because, yeah. yes, they are my real brothers. Um, but no, they're not my biological family. Um, but they are my parents' biological sons. Um, but yeah, I, I think they always knew I was their sister. They protected me like I was their sister, like I was their biological sister. You know what I mean? Like, we, yeah. we are family. There's no separating that. So... I think it's, I I never had a doubt or negativity about that until people ask those questions, until people Mm -hmm. say, and like, as an adult, a lot of the time too, people say stuff like that, like, well, are they your real brothers? Are they, Mm -hmm. who's your real mom? Who's, you know, all that kind of stuff. But I never, I never thought that they weren't until someone else had pointed that out to me. Right. How did you, how did that make you feel when? You're, I mean, I imagine, I, I don't know how it was and you can enlighten me because if you're like hearing these things, I personally have gone through my life hearing certain things and there are certain moments where they click about what that means, you know, like you'll hear a bunch of things and at a certain point, either my maturity or whatever it was that I'm like, oh, that's what you like, or it kind of registers or maybe accumulates, accumulates so much that you're like, why the fuck does everyone say this to me? You know? And then you're like, what's that yeah. about? Right. Did it's you have that or? Kind of, but also I think trying to think back of of when that started, you know, when those questions start is around what, like preteen age, Mm -hmm. when other people become cognizant of, of, of the complexity of your family. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they start putting this in you. And, And I think sometimes it, it can you then develop this weird insecurity that you never knew you had or wasn't even Mm -hmm. aware of. Mm -hmm. I think in the beginning, I was more on the defense, like, what are you, a freaking idiot? Yeah, that's my, (laughs) they're my family. You know Uh what I mean? Like, yeah, of course, that's my real family, you know, and and I was on the defense. But I think, obviously, that was probably protecting myself from from the insecurity (laughs) that was being instilled in me. But Mm -hmm. um. (laughs) But yeah, it's it's it is weird stuff like that when when people say things like that. I mean, it's also hard because some people just don't know and they haven't been around adoption. And I'm putting myself out there in my story. I feel like I do somewhat feel this obligation to help educate mm-hmm. in, in a way. So 
I try to hold myself back from feeling any anger um, towards comments like that and, and using it as an opportunity to for everyone to kind of gain a little bit more knowledge about adoption mm-hmm. and the culture and what's to be said. But also it's hard and complicated because it's like, well, why is it my responsibility to have the burden of being that person and also having to to wrap it all up, keep it inside and try to take one step further and, and do it so. I don't know. It it gets exhausting and it's hard, but it's it's a day by day thing, Mindy. Right? Like even just being a sure. Korean person, I I feel like you must feel, and especially now, you know, with this the entirety of this past year and everything that's been going on, it's like how do you balance protecting yourself? How do you balance? I I don't know. Like as a Korean American woman, I mean, mm-hmm. don't you feel the same? It's like, why is this my responsibility to tell you? But also, I feel like mm-hmm. if I don't say anything, then I'm not helping anyone either. Totally, and myself, like helping anyone. Like it's, it's. I you, I couldn't have said it better. You put it perfectly. It's, it's very. Um, you know, depends on how you look at it. It could be like it is an opportunity. It is. I mean, the way that I've been raised was a lot about like you know do your duty. Like Mm. that's what you have. That's your burden to bear and like, stop crying about it. (laughs) Um, but I think it's totally valid and reasonable and sane to feel frustrated and be like exasperated with all of it. Be like, what, why, why the hell do I got to do this? Like, so I got to make up for your lack of research or your lack of your, your ignorance. Like those feelings definitely, um, are there. And I do think like the younger version of me has gone through a lot of versions of anger and resentment. And I still have, it's still there from time to time, but I've had to do a lot of the inner work to be like, just no one's making you X, Y, or Z, you know, they're not making you go crazy. They're not like just Right. Either ignore it, receive it, deal with it, or don't. Like, I'm really working on that whole thing of, like, right. I just get really wound up. But it, it is, to validate what you're saying, I think it is a tremendous, you're the one going through it, right? You're the one that's yeah. been processing your identity and navigating all this, like, unsolicited commentary. That's why I feel like I was a woman. Like, did I ask you how I look? Like, stop telling me I look tired. (laughs) Like, what the fuck? Like, go away. Um, Right, right, yeah. Like, the audacity. Like, where did you... (laughs) I didn't ask you, but, like, you're getting all this unsolicited opinion and questioning, and when you're the one going through it, and you're the one that has to experience, like, your identity process as much as anybody else does. Like everyone's going through that. Like, right. why are you then, you know, you've been like chosen to be like the extra burden because you happen to have been adopted. That wasn't your choice. And that wasn't like something right. you elected. It's like, what happened? And now you got to like answer to the entire world being like, so what? And how? Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. And probing you about like, yeah. And as an adoptee, you know, you get those questions. Like, I, I mean, I've worked I've wor- I worked at a restaurant. I've worked at restaurants for like my entire adult life, right? And I've had mm-hmm. people say stuff to me like, Samantha, is that your real name or is that short for something because people can't pronounce your real name? And I was like, what? And so this t- this was said to me by two gentlemen in in their early 30s. Not, mm-hmm. you know, like, not to, I'm, I'm trying in my life to not make excuses for bad behavior for other people that do stuff, but it's somewhat I understand in an older generation 
there was a different mindset. They didn't yes. have a wealth of knowledge at their fingertips. They didn't have yep. an iPhone in their hand where they could look yep. stuff up. But I feel like as a millennial, you have no excuse to say something like that. Also, in uh, my place of work, where uh-huh. I am currently being paid uh-huh. to – well, not I paid minimum wage to then be paid by you. So I feel obligated – there's an obligation for me to answer and be polite to you, even though – that's not an appropriate question to ask a stranger that you yeah. are expecting a service from. But yeah, like as an adoptee, they, they people say stuff like that or, you know, ask a question where you're from and, and all that. We, we've all gotten those questions. But I think that that one question as an adoptee can really hit hard because you're you're you think it you, people say, oh, well, I, it's because you're so beautiful. I just needed to know, like, where – what type of Asian you're from is basically what they're saying, right? Yeah, and yeah. You're, and as an adoptee, it, it has this, like, extra layer of complexity because you're asking me where I'm from. And I can say to you that I'm Korean, but I some sometimes I don't even know what that really means. Or, like, you're, mm. you're asking me, like – or when people ask why I don't speak Korean and stuff like that, it's like, well, what do you want to know? Well, my I was abandoned as a child and orphaned and sold to come here. Like, what you know? What you're is like, the well, answer that you're yeah expecting from that? Like, yeah, that's like such what a do loaded you see? questions. Yeah, it is. It is. I think people don't. And although I do, and I again, it's it's hard for me. I'm trying not to make excuses, but I know. A lot of the time it comes from a good place and people just want to know more about you and the person, right? I hope yeah. that's the case. But it's also really freaking frustrating, you know what I mean? For sure. And, like, and both as a Korean-American woman and then as an adoptee too, it's just like this identity Identity is just complex. It's just a lot. It's uh, It's... It is a lot. I feel like just just like the understatement of the year. And I think it is completely fair to be like, I don't want to answer you. I don't like, I think, and I actually think that it's really interestingly appropriate now with what's happening in our universe. Like at the time in the context of when we're saying this too, I think it's a good reflection point because we've all been like, the entire world has been through the ringer, right? And so there's yeah. been a lot of survival that we've had to all, in our respective ways, deal with. Therefore, it behooves us to be a little bit sensitive and aware, like j- things that are just blah, blah, blah are not just da, da, da. I was just asking, yeah. to, like, we can't, I don't think it's, it's like, you're asking for a lot if you're like, just going to be that like flipping about everything from this from moving forward. Like in general, everyone's on right. thin ice in a lot of ways, emotionally, mentally, we're fucking tired, right? We're so yeah. tired yeah. for a lot of reasons. So let that be also like a gateway to say this larger commentary of like being considerate and mindful of like what the other person might be going through and what this thing mm-hmm. that in your mind might be adjust this, um, May not be just that, you know, maybe exactly, there's a lot behind exactly. that, that it may be like take a second or five or 10 to think through what is going to come out of your mouth and how, because I love what you said too, because I've been the recipient of a lot of weird commentary and questions and stuff, but I do yeah. think like you, and you're a creative person and you're very sensitive and aware of emotions and delivery and performance and all that. I do think that like that affords us the ability to just kind of tell a little bit, like I can tell 
usually I've been wrong before, but more and more I can tell when someone's being a douche and when they're just curious, you know what I mean? Yeah. So I will respond differently to different people. It's not like just that they asked something. It's like how they asked it. It's like, no, dude, that was being creepy or that was being just like willfully ignorant. I don't want to answer your shit. (laughs) Like, right. Yeah. Or it's also like, have you developed a relationship where you have been able to, I don't know, talk about something really like, have you made an effort to get to know this person prior Mm -hmm. to asking what could be a deeply personal question that you're opening up this kind of rabbit hole for? Yeah. Like if, if you're not prepared for the answer, don't ask the question, you know, and and just know that it can be so it's loaded. It's really loaded. And I don't know. Do you feel like, I feel like this, my, my like anxieties around identity didn't really start happening until adulthood. And I feel Mm -hmm. like, Maybe it's because as an adoptee, you are with your parents when you're a kid, right? So people know, oh, well, maybe you're half or maybe um, you're adopted. And, you know, it's just the assumption. And also people just don't ask children these kinds of questions. You right. want to go up to a child and be like, "Where? why do you look this way, but you don't sound that way? You know, like people don't really do that. But then as an adult, like realizing that, oh, if I if I'm taking my – nephew out for a walk and he's white people think i'm the nanny or Mm. my sister says in france when she was in her parents building that they would think she's the cleaning lady and they were like wondering why she was taking the main stairs and not the like service stairs you know it's stuff like that but i'm i'm curious for you growing up as a korean american person do you feel like that were you more aware of it as an adult or was it also growing up as a child that you had awareness of not being the majority, not having all that privilege. That's an interesting question. I've I've been asked a lot about like when were you aware of the Asian Americanness and that where did the identity co- concept kind of come into play? For for me personally, it was actually pretty early on. Um, mm. I grew up in Cupertino, which is really diverse. And I, I don't know. So this is where I do wonder like root when I like peel back the layers what was the influence of it? Was it the fact that I was like a huge pop culture fiend and I was watching so much TV where like, I don't like, I did kind of know it's like, there aren't any Asian people. So whenever they popped up, I'd be like, we like, aha, one of us yeah, kind of thing. Yeah. Like someone that looks like me or people I know, like my family, like there was that. I do remember thinking that like quite young because my parents did not monitor my TV watching that much. Like I watched just so much <laughs> and I was unsupervised till like five 30 every day. Cause my parents both worked. So I was watching like all the sitcoms. I was watching MTV like way too early and just aware <laughs> even in like Disney. Like, so those things, I feel like I had a somewhat of an awareness and because being in a Korean American family, I feel like, I wonder like what was said to me, but what was instilled and going to Korean church since I was four, there was mm. like the separation of worlds where like, there was like this hyper Korean, hyper Asian universe that I was in. And there was kind of this, and the Koreans are known so notoriously for being so exclusive and so like insular, like we're, Oh, mm. if you're Korean, you're like in the club. And if you're not, then like, Oh, poor you get out of here. Um, mm. I feel like that was a lived experience. I feel like I I was pretty aware. Like I knew that my friends, because I had friends of all colors in in my school, even as an elementary school kid. 
Um, but I was aware like, oh, Michelle is white. So she's a little different and I don't take my shoes off at her house. I keep uh, them yeah, on, yeah. which is really weird. But when she comes over to mine, I need to tell her to take my shoe, her shoes off. And like weird little things that like would cue me like, oh, don't worry about that smell. That smells, that's kimchi. It's amazing, by the way. But <laughs> you might think that it's a little stinky. You know, like those things. Yeah, yeah. They did prompt me to be like aware of my my otherness, I guess, or just like what made yeah. me different. But then, yeah, when I moved in eighth grade to like a really predominantly white suburban area, that was my yeah. big, like I am the minority and I had a big chip on my shoulder about it. And it was the late nineties where there was like an Asian pride era going on. Mm-hmm. Um, I do think it was like post Rodney King and like a lot of things that have been happening when I was a child that I did not know till I was an adult, but influenced this like surge of like hyper, like Asian pride culture. So when I moved to this white neighborhood, I was so like, who the hell are these people? Like, they don't, they don't know me. Like, yeah, you know, just like, so I was a 13 year old snot, you know what I mean? So it's just like that. (laughs) But so those things were like, it was very environmental. Um, Mm. and I'm sure people asked things and made comments and I'm sure that that happened, but I was part of like a very hyper Korean, hyper Asian, universe when I was young. Mm. So it, it, by default, like othered others and it othered myself because I was like, I'm with my people. And yeah, even within the Asian crew, like we had Vietnamese, Chinese, Japanese, you know, and then the Koreans always had our own little subset. (laughs) (laughs) I'm actually, I'm curious a little bit when like you grew up around in like fully immersed in being Korean and Korean American. Mm-hmm. I'm curious as an adoptee, what what what's always the feelings like from your parents kind of viewpoint or like from Korean people, what is what is the feeling towards Korean adoptees? I'm really curious. Interesting question. I've actually wanted so we have our mutual friend Dan, Dan Matthews. Mm-hmm. We have um I'm actually friends with my friend Matt Blessy, who's a poet I know from the Bay Area. He's incredible. Um, my friend Go Gordon, he was a Korean adoptee, but he grew up thinking he was Chinese. Like I wow. yeah. I actually have quite a few adoptee friends. Um my nephew or like my cousin's kid is adopted. And like, mm. I don't know, that's not transracial, but like K- Korean adoptees, I always felt like, yeah, there's the Han. You Have you heard the concept of like Han and Chong? Like no. these, there are these Korean concepts of like with, that we're one. And there's a mm. thing with K- the Korean culture specifically for better or worse, you know, I could argue for both, but I think for some, a lot of times better, there's like this really strong, um, affinity towards people who are cut from the same cloth. So if we're Korean, because we're Korean, Korean blood, there's kind of like this inherent love, acceptance, appreciation. And also on the other side of the coin, like if you, if you mess up, like stop making us look bad. Like there's kind of like a more brutal, like unforgivingness <laughs> yeah. to it. Cause like, bruh, yeah. like you're making, stop it. You're embarrassing us. <laughs> like there's that attachment. So I think there's that um, connection of like, automatic appreciation, at least on my side, I can also see, um, Koreans that are so big on bloodlines and a lot of cultures Mm. are, and Koreans are included in that, that if they're like, Oh, you're not with your bloodline family. Like there might be just kind of like sadness or like sympathetic, maybe even like pity, like, Oh, like you don't have your, your, your 
blood parents and like because there's such a huge emphasis on familial ties and familial love that if like you don't have that or someone didn't hold their response there's so much shame in the korean culture too Mm -hmm. like oh you gave up your child like what kind of person are you like that's Mm -hmm. it's a lot there you know what i mean but i don't think it's all like conscious per se i think it's kind of like baked into like the ways that korean people exist and someone might tell me i'm totally wrong so this is just my opinion yeah no i was always curious yeah i was always curious because sometimes when you meet korean people as an adoptee you get it it, you get mixed emotions right sometimes it's like oh my gosh you're adopted that's so cool and and people are so generous and like oh i would get these korean gifts and all these amazing things because they just wanted to give give me everything that they had and and i loved that and i felt really welcome and all that and then going to korea people sometimes don't understand why you don't speak korean like they know i'm american but they would get upset that i don't speak korean and stuff and then it's difficult to explain but you're adopted and once they find that out there is this innate heaviness and Mm. not some sometimes like this failure to know how to respond in any way so it's yeah. just like sometimes there's just like a heaviness and a pause and it's I never knew why or, or I guess I get never fully understand why but that that makes sense to me it's like oh this like pity or sadness or just kind of not fully comprehending how this could have happened but it's yeah. also this really complex long part of history as well in Korea giving all the babies away and now with low birth rates trying to keep everyone in the country and trying to normalize domestic adoption um yeah yeah it's always i was always just kind of curious where that comes but that that makes sense to me yeah that's that's oh i love i could talk to you for like 10 hours about this it's it's very um (laughs) like you said it's very complex and layered um there's such a like it deeply believed value it's not even a question. It's not even like, do you think that it's like, it's no, that's who I am. That's what I am is that family is important. And, um, you know, you have to do everything you can to protect them and you have to fight for them and you have to endure. That's the part where I think it can get into really toxic areas because there's a lot of ways that this responsibility and this attachment that you have to family it can be incredibly suffocating. It can be incredibly mm. dangerous because you feel very beholden and attached to something that really may not be good for you. Um, you may mm. have to compromise and sacrifice a lot of parts of yourself, your sanity, your 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 independent life choices because you're so attached to all these things. So I, I'm very like, I'm that girl that I'm like, I look at everything as like, everything can be just absolutely wonderful and generous and kind and Un, like there's just an unspoken word of like, yeah, you are family, Sam, because we're Korean. You are my sister. Yeah. I don't like, yeah. I don't need to know anything else, but like know that. And then there's also kind of like, but do you even know me? Like, who are you? What are your ethics? What are your morals? What is your character? Yeah, yeah. Um, and also this kind of beholdenness, I think that can get into murky territory and from in my life has been you know, it's just, I, I look at it as like, that's the way my life's been, but I think it can get dangerous. Like, I think it can get really suffocating, really bad. And yeah. like, I mean, I, I think, you know, a lot of who we are is in our blood. And, and I, I mean, if I, one person who can actually say that because I've, <laughs> I've met my other half who's lived a completely yeah. different life, but we're still so similar. Um, but I think 
you know, and I, and as an adoptee, I, I'd love to attribute that everything in my life has been nurtured because I love my parents and I love my family. And I, I am so grateful for, um, how I came to be in this world, but, um, but so much has to do with nature. And I feel like the things you're saying, like this duty and all of that part of me and, and, you know, this isn't the case for everyone. This is just the case for me currently. But, um, Mm -hmm. I feel like I, I do have that duty to my family, even though it's not like my, my biological, we don't have the same blood that runs through our veins, but I feel like that duty as well. Like I feel an obligation to make my parents happy to make Ryan's parents happy to make his sister happy, you know, like everyone that's involved because they come, I I feel like, I don't know, some of that's just ingrained in who we are. And like you're saying, yeah, it is, it is your bloodline. You are the same people. And this reminds me of, um, the other day I was talking, I forget what we're talking about, but uh, Ryan's from Hawaii. He's native Hawaiian and sister as well, obviously, but they're, they're, we're talking about Hanai and like in, Hawaiian culture, there's, there's adoption, but, um, it's Hanai. So a lot of times you were kept within your biological family, but you weren't necessarily raised by your, um, biological parents. Sometimes you would be Mm -hmm. Hanai to your auntie and uncle, your grandparents or something like that. And it was a way to like raise, keep, keep, I don't know, raise your family. Like it it takes a village. It's everyone's responsibility to, to raise the people and and in a way some um korean american people i feel like do that with adoptees as well and then i i enjoy that um i think other people may not enjoy that there's there's obviously many different viewpoints about it but this concept of hanai was really beautiful to me and and um i i texted his sister i texted claire and i was like well i just am really moved today to know that like there are cultures in which adoption is seen as a gift and it's Mm. not seen it's not seen as a solution to a problem and it's yeah and I loved that and I was like I I don't know it made it made me feel special as an adoptee like that it was a gift and not this issue like that I was adopted because I wasn't wanted or I was adopted because my parents were infertile like Mm. because as an adoptee it's so easy to feel like your life has started out as a solution to a person's problem or a reason or or because you were the problem to someone else and I I I loved this concept of Hanai and like knowing that it was always a gift and that like any child's presence in the world is always a gift, no matter what. I love, I love so special. That, that is so and, special. Like, most of the Kings and Queens were Hanai. And like, oh. I think it just, it, me being like my, I always have my head in the clouds, right? Like that's just, kind I of, love that about you, Sam. Don't ever take it out. I like, always have my head in the clouds and I always wish that everything was good and happy and I want to give the benefit of the doubt all the time but it kind of and sometimes I don't feel that way obviously sometimes I like (laughs) have a dark heaviness feeling about everything but it's like that kind of brought me back and and just like for that day and and it trickles in and is always kind of floating by in my mind this feeling of like sometimes adoption truly is just a gift, you know, and, and however we enter our families, it, it's can be a gift, even though there may be a lot of burden, but 
yeah, I don't know. Life isn't without Brenna. I love that you you choose and embrace that. Like, I feel like you, that thought in these concepts, like I get very, um, much more spiritual. Like I grew up very Christian. And so there are certain belief systems that I had growing up, but I, I've, as an adult questioned everything. And I've been like pondering a lot of like, what is true and what is, what is the thing that I want to take with me? And that's like, a thing that you are, you have the ability to do as a grown person that's gone through so many life experiences and suffered through a lot of things and had joy in a lot of things. I think then we realize our, our ability to like keep our head in the clouds, to rise above certain dark thoughts, though Mm -hmm. they will come and go to like, where do you want to land and where do you want to choose? And where do you have the agency to say like, that actually is the way that makes me feel the most at peace with like where I'm at in life with all these like identity things that are very, I think, inevitable for a lot of different reasons. Um, I love that you choose that. Like the, the very woo part of me is like, I feel like you chose that. You, you're receiving a gift of like, I'm a gift. And I, I've looked at my life even as like, as a biological child of my parents, I felt like I'm just a burden to them or like I'm an obligation. Cause that there's that, even that relationship you can have with biological parents of like, if they looked at like family and children as a burden to bear or like, and they don't even look yeah. at their own children that they keep as a gift. And you feel that. And that's how you're raised. That's how you can feel even when you're, you know, raised by biological parents. And so it's very fascinating to me, the concept of family um, yeah. and love in general. I think that all feeds into love because I think family is such an immediate, potent, ongoing. You can't just like dis- disconnect from family. Like you, you you have these bonds that are like for better or worse, like such a big part of who you are. <laughs> And yeah. like, that's why I love hearing like your side of it, of this, this, this family that you're a gift to, that is a gift to you, that you can feel whether it's biological or whether it's like, it's nature or nurture, who knows? Yeah. Um, you feel like, you know, that's your family. And I, I really believe like the older I get, like family is also what, who and what you choose, you know? Cause it I was is. so embedded in like blood, blood, blood. And there are people in my family that I don't feel particularly close to, even though they're blood. And I would love to like do right by them, but I have a lot of chosen family, my friends and like community people that I'm yeah. like, no, they're family. Like I would, I will fight people for them. I will. Oh Yeah do what I need to do to, you know, to make sure that they're well. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it is, it's, and as an adult, right? Like when you start dealing with loss and, and people start to pass away and stuff like that. And you realize, well, I still have family here, you know, mm-hmm. and, and it, they can be who you want them to be and who they make. I mean, like, our family for Thanksgiving every year, it's like, it, it's an open door. Whoever wants to come can come and whoever comes is family, you know? Love. And I feel like that's something that's, yeah, for, for those who feel alone or abandoned, like, you don't need that. I don't know. I, I understand why. I understand why you would want to have that because it, it seems like it's a bond that, I don't know. You can't get elsewhere, but yeah, I, I, family is what you make of it, and and it's everywhere. Family's everywhere. You can find family everywhere. 
Yeah. 100%. Oh, I love it. I love you, Sammy. Like, I just love your spirit. I love that (laughs) you are celebrating life and enjoying your alone time with your family (laughs) in your house with your cute little Tina with Ryan. Um, I'm excited. When do you get to see your sister? I mean, actually, before we wrap up, like, can you also, like, with building this relationship, because it's been a few years now, right? Like, it's been a, like, five years, six years? Like, how long have you guys been? We really, my sister and I met 2013. 13. Oh my gosh, time is flying. This is ridiculous. I mean, we're, yeah, we're like discussing about what we're going to do for our 10 year reunion. Like, do we go back to London where we met, or do we go on a new adventure? And everyone's kind of trying to figure out what to do for our 10 year reunion. I love it. Yay. Go all out. These ones are so precious. And do you have like, I haven't seen her. No, sorry, sorry. Yeah, I, I haven't seen her since um, Thanksgiving of 2019. And I will see her on August 3rd. I fly to France. Awesome. I'll see her for the first time in over a year and a half. And she had a baby during quarantine. Oh, my gosh. Congratulations. So, you have a little niece or nephew? Nephew, yeah. I have actually, my, my older brother had a uh, boy as well, so I have two nephews. And then um, her baby, in a weird scientific light, is also biologically technically my baby because we have the same DNA. Stop so, it. What that a trip, is right? so crazy. That is gorgeous in so many ways. It's so odd. We're like, we're like, oh my gosh, is he going to, we wonder what he's going to do. Cause you know, he's a year and a half. Like they can see by Mm -hmm. this point, you know, and like recognize stuff. So we're wondering what's going to happen. Like, is he going to see me? Is he going to get confused or is he going to know? You know what I mean? Like how, how good will his vision and judgment be at a year? That's going to be really, really fun. Oh my gosh. I hope you enjoy all of that. So I'm really curious. Like, so when, when you and your, you guys have, you, you have the the pop thing, which I freaking love. I like, when I see the word, Sam, like you've ingrained that in my brain. I I like, (laughs) I get a little memory of you. It just happens. Like when I hear, hear the word pop. Um, but do you guys have like, how how do you feel like when I don't know, I don't want to like jump into a whole other like hour discussion because I would love to just <laughs> sit and talk with you but I guess how would you how would you feel because I feel like you, she is your biological family but you guys chose to like you didn't choose but you you chose to like continue and build this relationship as sisters yeah how has that been for you in like finding biological family like and building and then choosing to like invest the time and like bond with her and like travel and do all those things together. Yeah. I mean, as an adoptee, the, that question of biological family is always there, whether you choose to explore it or not. Um, Mm -hmm. for us, we were thrown into it a little bit. Um, and luckily (laughs) for us, it, it was, uh, positive and we really just enjoy and are kind of going with the flow of life and figuring it all out together um which isn't always the case for a lot of adoptees I mean I mean it is possible to have a biological relationship and like you're saying you know maybe you don't resonate with them or you don't agree and you don't see eye to eye on certain things that is a possibility and I don't think that there has to be any um I don't know. I feel like 
you don't have to make it work all the time. You know what I mean? And and for adoptees mm-hmm. ha- all, dealing with the burden of being adopted and then ha- meeting the biological family or if you're thrown into it and then not having a great relationship, I don't think that you have to make it work no matter what. I think that um, every case is unique and personal. And mm-hmm. luckily for my sister and I, we get along really well. (laughs) Yeah. You um, love each other. We love each other. I mean, we talk every day and our families luckily enough love each other. Like our parents email, they WhatsApp every day. Um, like my whole family is invited to her wedding and in our like micro wedding that we're going to end up having her parents are part of that immediate family. You know what I mean? Like we, Ryan and I have such close immediate family that I guess by definition terms wouldn't be our immediate family, but it's a mm-hmm. non-negotiable, non-negotiable. Mm-hmm. Like they're there and they're, they're a part of that. And I think that there's so many other ways this could have happened. There's so many other relationships that could have unfolded. And for us, maybe it's luck or maybe it's just that, I don't know. We just really like each other. That's amazing. And but, just gonna go with it. Like why question it, you know? Yeah, yeah. And it's like going with that gut feeling of just doing what feels right and what feels good. I mean, I think as an adult we tend to intellectualize feeling, right? And it's mm-hmm. now especially as an actor, you're trying to like dive into your emotional intelligence and, and all of that, but um you can't forget what things feel like because sometimes things feel wrong and they are wrong. And mm we're trying to convince ourselves that they're not and that's okay. And mm-hmm. we'll figure it out. But I think my sister and I got lucky and, and we're really like peas in a pod. We were meant to be together and um, we somehow found our way to, to do that. And I think, I don't know. Yeah. Family is what you make of it. And just always go with that. Go with how you feel. It. Thank you, Sam. I love, thank you for being so generous with like your life experiences for being like, I just think you're such a light. And I think there's a lot of hard things that people go through and that's part of life. It's always good to have a reminder of like, of the good things of, of miracles of I'm a big believer in miracles. I think life is a miracle. Like as cheesy as that sounds, I think if we take notice of them, like you, they just, they're there and they keep popping up even more, um, the more attention we give to it. And so I think it deserves to be like acknowledged all the time. And some people be like, Oh, it's so yeah, but I'm like, no, don't. Yeah. But it like, that's a big thing to say like, Hey, I'm very lucky. I'm very blessed. I'm very uh, grateful to have these things. Even if I've been through all these other things that are, yeah, we're really rough and really gut wrenching or difficult to overcome. I'm glad I have this. And that's a really great reminder. I think it's a very powerful reminder in like a very gentle way. Yeah, for sure. And just being grateful, but also knowing that you have it within yourself, like not, not to deter the fact that like you, Minji, are grateful for everything, but also because you've had the strength to empower yourself and do the things that you do. And that in turn can make you grateful for this stuff. Like, I feel like, <laughs> Tina, I feel like you shouldn't, mm. like, we don't, 
I, I don't know. Do you know what I'm saying? This is a weird thing I do. that I've been thinking about a lot. But because um, sometimes people, you know, like with us, they talk about fate, right? And mm-hmm. this was meant to be or like everything's meant to be, whatever. And sometimes I, I understand, yes, I understand that. But also sometimes that also can feel shitty because sometimes when I think that's something – it's something easy to say to a person who hasn't experienced it, right? Mm. Like to say like, well, that was meant to be. But what if something shitty happened? And you say, well, like, you know, and the idea is that when a door closes, a window opens. Or that mm-hmm. like maybe the inner workings of the world aren't as apparent right now, but they will be in the future. Mm-hmm. But when you're going through something that's shitty or mm-hmm. something that's really difficult, like you – it's 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 so easy for someone else who's not experienced it to say that and for you to then have to feel grateful for something and for some mm-hmm. reason when someone says that it, it kind of feels like oh well that negates the strength that the person who's going through it has to like mm-hmm. have the power in themselves to overcome the difficult instead just like yeah. leaving it up to the world and I think like for my sister and I like we we wouldn't have chosen to be separated. Like we wouldn't mm-hmm. have chosen to start our life that way. And it is a miracle that we've met. And it's so amazing and incredible that how we've connected and we're, we are grateful for that every single day. Mm-hmm. But I think we're grateful for it because we know that we have the power to overcome the beginning. I love it. And like for you too, like you're grateful because you know how wonderful things are on the other side because you've had the strength to power through all the difficult times and know that there is something great out there, no matter, even if you do have to deal with the worst and most terrible situations. But because Mm -hmm. of you, yourself, the self, the person, you have all that strength to know that you yourself can move your move everything to this beautiful happy place and and you deserve and can find that happiness but it's because of you because of the strength that you have thank you i want to cry (laughs) it's like uh it is so true and i thank you and it's um it can be it can be even a challenge in and of itself to to reach that thought or like to embrace your own power or your own agency or like appreciate yourself I guess um it's all part of it and I just love everything that you said it's so much an extension of what I believe and what I see in you and what I see in a lot of my friends which why I think it's so wonderful to like power through even with this show if you will like to say hey if we can continue to make little things as artists or as if we were compelled to do that if we're willing to do that and be vulnerable and take the time and like schedule and then record and like transfer files and like so we can do do the thing to help remind ourselves um and others about those really important things then like yeah whatever the difficulty is the inconveniences and the suffering or whatever we want to qualify that as it's well worth it. My thing is like, I'm not necessarily always just going for the best feeling feeling. I kind of feel like I'm going for the most worthwhile feeling. Mm -hmm. And I'll say 
in, in, I hope this doesn't come out the weird way. I think that's what a lot of Korean people are good at. I think it is in our blood. Like yeah. I've talked a lot about this. I've pondered outside. I've heard about it from commentary from non-Korean people. Um, there's a lot that, and I, I'm, I'm a bio nerd too. So I'm very curious mm-hmm. about how DNA works and how we can inherit personality and even trauma, right? Like there, there, yeah. there's a lot of research that's gone on with that. Um, we inherit a lot through, through blood and we are also so capable in spirit. I'm very big on like spirit and soul that can overcome and surpass anything that was like predispositioned, say potentially by genetics right, for yeah. X, Y, Z reasons. All those kind of like make us up to who we are, the different people around us. But I do say part that like is a silver lining and a saving grace to all the things that I like kind of have historically resented about being Korean or my biology or even like my family um, is that spirit part. We have the ability to overcome. We have the ability to like learn from each other to like accept blessings and to create more. And I think that's something that I am really excited for you to continue doing as a creative because you have this treasure trove of depth and like life experience, Sam, that I think will hopefully just be a huge blessing to other people and in turn will bless your life, especially because you and Ryan are both creatives. I think that's even more beautiful. Um, I'm just excited for what is to come for you and it, it, it will inspire me continually. Sam, just FYI, because I follow you on Instagram <laughs> and I want to continue to like build our friendship um, and it'll feed me and it'll give us all like the ability to like keep rising above those things and just Thank you. go Thank forth you. and prosper. Yeah. I needed, I needed this boost today, Minji. No, but I, I also, I'm, I also needed just to see you because it's been so long and we haven't <laughs> been able to chat in so long, but thank you. I, now I know where to come if I'm ever having a, a rough day. <laughs> I got you. I am here. I got you. And, and do you have anything that you want to share as we close out like that you're working on or and you don't have to, if it's, you know, NDA under wraps, we understand, um, or anything that you want to plug or like remind us to go read or see or anything like that i don't know i think mostly just like remind yourself to be good to yourself and just honor your feelings whether they're good or bad um Mm -hmm. we always have good days and bad days and i think we just have to listen to ourselves be good to ourselves and others and yeah i mean i wish i i could plug something but (laughs) <laughs> so much, and I, I wouldn't even know what to say. But um, but yeah, I, I, I really like. I don't know. Just talk to people and try to find happiness. And sometimes it's hard to do that, but the only thing we you believe can do is in try, you. right? You have yeah. at least Sam and me rooting for you and cheering you on. We believe in you. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Well, I will plug. I really hope that people go watch Twinsters, if anything. Um, Really just all-encompassing, wonderful, fun story and very meaningful. A lot to think about and a lot to, like, celebrate, I think. Um, So, yeah, I hope. Do you know where where is it streaming now? I watched it again on Netflix, but that was a bit ago. I don't know if it's still there. Yeah, yeah. So now we're just on video on demand so you can like rent or purchase on cool. Amazon, iTunes, all that good stuff. But yeah, if if you want to I I maybe I'll go watch. I don't watch it in a long time either. I'll just sit and cry and miss my sister. Oh, <laughs> and then you can message your brother-in-law and tell him like, "Hey, I just like I rewatched it too and I I love me as well." <laughs> 
<laughs> I knew you missed me, William. I knew it. <laughs> I knew it. It's just it's something in me. I understood. Well, thank you so much, Sam, for chatting with me on this warm, sunny summer day while we are in Southern California. Not quarantined again, but like, you know, the world's still a little bit crazy, but we'll we'll definitely talk again. Yes. And send Ryan and Tina all my love, and maybe I don't know, we could do like a dog date eventually because I'll be I'll be fostering, I'll be a foster mom. Yes, let's do a dog date. Tina's kind of a jerk, but we'll see what happens. Yeah, yeah. You know what? These are all life lessons, and some point the dog's got to learn. <laughs> like, yeah, you know what? She got to power through. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Thank I'll talk you. to you soon. Thanks so much for tuning in for this week's episode of First of All with our special guest, Sam Futterman. Sam, thank you for being such an amazing open book, sharing all your wisdom and life life stories and experiences. It's such a pleasure. Please follow Sam at Sam Futterman on Instagram if you want to follow along with her journey, her family, her art. It's incredible. Her dog. We loved we love us some Tina. Um, but yeah, definitely keep up with her and uh, stay tuned because the closing song for this week's outro is by our friend Dan Matthews uh, featuring Alex Huang from Run River North with a song called Time of Your Life, which is our new single. So stay tuned for that. If you'd like to follow along, um, first of all, you can find me on Instagram at First of All Pod, my personal page at Minjizi. And uh, you can email me at First of All Pod at gmail.com. You can go to First of All Pod.com to find out links to other ways to support the podcast support me you can become a patreon patron thank you to my patreon patrons i love you guys so much and owe you so much for my sanity um and all the support that you've given me throughout the years i appreciate you i just put out a new video to revamp the tears and uh, to make it a little bit more authentic to me so go check that out that's brand new as of my birthday uh this past july 18th and the fourth birthday first of all so feel free to go check that out patreon.com slash first of all podcast and thank you to Marvin Ewing my audio engineer and producer thank you to Juliana Deer my amazing marketing team uh, for first of all podcast and I'm a proud member of the potluck podcast collective it's a collective of Asian American podcasters and storytellers so please go check out those amazing shows Uh, there's some funny insightful awesome content out there so go check that out and yeah you can find me on all the platforms on Spotify Apple Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher. Um, If you enjoyed it, please do subscribe, follow, uh, leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts. I appreciate it very deeply. It just helps boost the podcast, helps others find it, and I deeply appreciate the love. Um, It goes all back into the show and all of my future episodes, so just really appreciate that and appreciate all the love for uh, the reviews, too. So that's it for this week's episode. Again, we're closing out this week with Time of Your Life by Dan, a.k.a. Dan, featuring Alex Wang. Enjoy. I love you. Stay safe. And I'll talk to you next week. Bye. Take a look right now. Take a look right now. When the time of your life, you were shook right now. Put it all down in a book right now. Those were the moments that you cooked up now. So celebrate life because you took that vow. I'm going to hit that stage. I'm going to take that bell. We all live once in the hook right now. Take a look right now. Take a look right now. When the time of your life, you were so messed up. Take a test on your air that it's so blessed up. But I feel it chest up. We are all on our way, but that we get there was unknown. Wanna be known? You said all that you
Hi, I'm Marvin, and I'm Rira. We're the host of Books and Boba, a book club and podcast dedicated to books by Asian and Asian American authors. Every month, we pick a book by an Asian author to read and discuss on the show. We read a wide variety of genres, from contemporary to historical fiction, fantasy to memoirs, and crime thrillers to romance. Some of our past book club picks are Pachinko by Minjin Lee, Sorcerer to the Crown by Zen Cho, and Devotion of Suspect X by Keigo Higashino. We also go over what's new in the Asian American literary world and chat with some talented Asian authors about their work. So whether you want to start reading for fun again or diversify your TBR list, we got your Asian literature cravings covered. For more info, check out our website at booksandboba.com. You can listen to us on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, and wherever you find your podcasts. Part of the Potluck Podcast Collective.